marketing is art and it is science. Uh, I'm going to take the best amount of information that I can get, all of the data that I have access to, and then I'm going to use that to make a decision. And you know what? Sometimes the decision I make is to ignore the data <laughs> because I know through my experiences that there is something better that I can do that we haven't actually performed on in the past, et cetera. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero is the easiest way for B2B marketing leaders to create stunning customer video content that helps close deals faster. My guest today is Adam New Watterson. He is a fractional executive at HYE Partners. Adam, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited and uh, it's a great topic, so I'm excited to dig in. And tell me, just to kick things off, you know, fractional executive at HYE Partners, you know, what is HYE Partners and, you know, what does that mean? Tell me more about that. Absolutely. So, so I grew up in, in marketing. Uh, I originally was in marketing operations. I turned that into a career in demand. Uh, from there, I was a VP of marketing, a CMO for, for several different companies. Um, and then, it, and then at some point, I, um, like when the pandemic started happening, I really reevaluated what, what did I want out of life, et cetera. And I decided instead of working for one company all the time, I wanted to help several companies in, in a fractional way. Um, so, so I used to call myself a fractional CMO. Uh, and now I'm the chief product officer or chief technology officer for one of my, for one of my clients. So, so I've been, I've been calling it uh, a fractional executive instead of fractional CMO because I'm doing more than just marketing these days. I'm leading an engineering customer success organization as well. That's awesome. So effectively, you know, one executive level role wasn't enough for you. You needed, you know, four in different <laughs> departments. <laughs> hey, you got to keep growing uh, and tackling new challenges all the time. Otherwise, you get bored in life. Uh, so got to keep, that, gotta that's keep moving. That's awesome. That, that's, that's incredible. So uh, just to kind of kick us off, one of the big topics today is, you know, customer stories. And tell me a little bit more, you know, what's, why do customer stories matter in, in B2B marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, customer stories are the way that we humanize uh, selling in a B2B uh, environment. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of people talk about business to business or human to human, et cetera. And so, one of the one of the challenges that B2B marketers have is that you know we are often selling something that is hard to see and it is impossible to touch. So um you know we can't we can't actually sell ones and zeros to our clients. They they don't actually care about that. Uh so so customer stories really help us be able to take something that is hard to understand and make it easy for for people to to grasp what it is that that we're doing. There there's an age age old uh, adage in in marketing of uh, sell the hole not the drill. Um, many marketers really want to focus on what are the features that and functions that that my software can do and and what customer stories uh, help us do is not sell the drill and, and the, the specifics of the drill itself, but rather the whole and the potential for what it can do for our businesses. Such a good point. And so I'm curious, you know, it seems like right now, you know, customer storytelling is you know, just more of a hot topic than ever, you know, customer marketing as a job title is, you know, was just released as like one of the 
top three, you know, number three on LinkedIn fastest growing jobs. I'd be curious to get your take. What is it, I guess, about, you know, maybe like the macro environment right now that, you know, it seems like, you know, buyers really, you know, and I mean, of course, you touched on it, you know, a little bit there, but like, yeah, buyers just really want to hear from customers. Like, you know, what is it about what's happening in the world right now or just like the the space we're in that's like, you know, really pushing that? Is it like, you know, is it like a lack of trust? Is it just that like we need a new way to cut through the noise and like people are just tired of hearing fr- from marketers and sales reps and they just want to hear from a different person? Yeah, I'd be curious to get your take on that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that in two parts. First and foremost, uh, on the idea that that customer marketing is growing a ton, it it has been become very apparent over the last sort of decade that it's a lot easier to um, to retain a customer and grow the value of that contract than it is to go acquire a new customer. Right. So so uh, this is one thing that was harder early on in my career for for me to grasp was that. You know, I could I could invest a dollar in in a post sales environment and make more money off of that than if I went and acquired a new customer at at the the top of the funnel. Um, and so, if I could grow that contract, et cetera. So, so we we as B two B organizations are investing a ton in this customer marketing function. One is a steward of helping carry customer stories to to other parts of the organization, but two is really about uh, expanding the footprint within that particular uh, company so that you are getting more money and you're not spending as much money in order to acquire new customers. Um, why does this why does this matter? And why do people care about customer videos? It's, it's a really important and, and good question um, because <laughs> like, there's so much noise. As you just said a second ago, there's so much noise, but it's not just like noise from B2B companies. It is like, you know, everybody has new expectations that are set by Amazon or uh, by Hulu or Netflix or, or, or whatever. And there are so many things that I can go pay attention to at any one moment. To the point that I now don't really trust marketing content very much. You know, there's something that a company has put together, they've packaged it up, and they're they're trying to get me to consume it. It's self-serving, and everybody knows that, and and everybody thinks that these days. So, so the the true benefit of customer um, videos is that by by allowing your customers to share things in their authentic voice, and then that's really important part of of making customer videos really super successful is is, is in their authentic voice. Um, they they do the selling on your behalf. Uh, you don't have to you don't have to do it yourself, and the end result is so much stronger and more interesting for for clients than uh, than if they were to read a written case study or or something that that your team put together, etc. I love that you brought up the you know in the authentic voice, and, and then kind of that's a perfect transition to yeah. Let's talk about the different the different mediums in the in the sort of, you know, pros and, and cons, um, you know, of those mediums, how, how do you think, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, video, I'd love to even dive into that more, but, you know, how, how do you think about the, you know, the kind of pros and cons or the mix of these different customer story mediums, you know, uh, and actually we could even include, you know, different advocacy activities that, you know, are like a reference call as well, perhaps in there. Like, how, how do you sort of think of written case studies, Third-party review sites are obviously also really have been. It seems like they've been booming in the past couple of years. You know, customer video, and then maybe like you know reference programs uh, as well, like one-on-one reference calls. So customer advocacy is is just so super important, um, as I sort of alluded to a second ago, of having 
having our customers help sell our uh, technology or solutions uh, in in their voice rather than rather than ours. So you know, when I was getting started in my career, we did that entirely through written case studies. So uh, we would uh, we would meet with a, a client uh, when we heard from customer success that they were happy. We would uh, interview them. We would get this like written list of things that was self serving and helped us like do do our ability to sell uh, uh, in an easier way. And then we would give it back to uh, the the client and they would uh, take out everything that was interesting from the case study uh, and, and redline everything, give back to us something that was very watered down and really weak. Um, and so, you know, we we as marketers have not been able to tell a really compelling story through, through written content because of the approval and PR hurdles that we have to go through, et cetera. And so, you know, we have really started to look for other avenues to allow people to provide a more authentic, uh, rich, rich uh, experience. So, so you mentioned third-party review sites. Uh, you know, <laughs> I guess when when Gartner when Gartner purchased uh, a review site, that's when you sort of really knew that this was like an important an important part of people's uh, purchase process. But if you think about just like the way that that you buy things on Amazon, I don't know about you, but if I'm not certain with what I'm going to buy, I go down and I look at the reviews and I look at all the top rated and all the bottom rated reviews and I see what are the most likely complaints and what are the features that people really enjoy about it. So, you know, third party review sites are really interesting for, for marketers um, because as a consumer, I have the ability to look across a bunch of businesses in aggregate and see what sort of trends exist with all of the customers of that particular technology. So if I if I go to Captera or Trust Radius or G2Crowd or or the Gardner Review site, et cetera, um, and I go look at uh, you know, 50 people who have all used this technology, um, it allows me to see trends across all of them, which makes me feel confident that this is not just one person saying something because the company gave them a huge discount, uh, but rather these are a whole bunch of happy customers or these are uh, a bunch of non-happy customers, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and, then, and then from there are uh, having customers be the direct voice on behalf of the company. So, you know, you, you mentioned reference calls, right? Reference calls are um, are really critical for sales to help close deals. It's really bottom of the funnel uh, activity, but, but reference calls allow, especially senior leaders at large enterprise businesses to ask the questions they want to ask of an actual customer in order to get their, their real off the cuff uh, reactions to things, right? And so there's a higher level of trust that is put into this by saying, okay, this is this person from this company, they're like you, uh, go talk to them and ask them whatever it is that you want to ask them. You know, there's a little danger on, on behalf of the company in that, in that you cannot control it or see what is happening, right? So you let those two people loose and you allow them to come to their own conclusions and you have no input on what, what the customer is going to say or what the prospect is going to ask which is great. It makes them authentic. It makes them trustworthy. It also means you have no control and they're not re reproducible, right? Uh, you know, one of the things that, that customer success organizations really get plagued by is the fact that they burn out a really great reference by asking them over and over and over to go help them sell in, in a bunch of different companies. And, and you can't go back to that well a whole bunch of times. You can ask somebody two or three times per year to be a reference for you. And that's it. 
anything more than that, and people get irritated, right? Um, and so that's that's why customer videos are such a big um, it's such a big tool in a marketer's toolbox uh, because they they allow a customer they, they allow a company to to capture the voice of the customer, edit it into something that is salient and really great for for them that is uh, it, is shorter, it's cogent, but it tells a compelling story. And ultimately, the company itself is in control of the narrative, not not just their their end customer. I'm sure there's tons more we can dig into there. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. It's such a good point about preventing, you know, reference burnout, and it's like the ability to scale um, scale out, and you know. I think sometimes deflect the, you know, many times really deflect the need for the reference call and uh, which is always so valuable. Um, I want to shift gears to talk a little bit about customer content or, you know, customer media, which I think is almost, you know, a term that I know I'm starting to use just customer media more, right? Because it's just like, just like the best marketers are, you know, media companies and some, you know, acting like media companies in some respects. I think the best like customer advocacy is, being more like a media company and rich media, right? And, you know, audio, video. Um, but, you know, let's talk about demand gen as it relates to customer media. Because I think a lot of times, you know, the classic you know, view of demand gen content would really not include, you know, customers. But, you know, I'm curious on, on your take, like, is there a, a place where we can kind of connect those things when you said earlier, the authentic voice of a customer that kind of cuts to the noise and the, you know, the goals of demand gen content at that earlier stage of the funnel, you know, is there a way to connect that? And if so, how do you do that? Or how can, you know, marketers do that? (laughs) I love this question, Sam, Uh, because I think, I think too often this idea of, of customer stories or testimonial videos or whatever gets, gets pigeonholed into this like really bottom of the funnel content idea. Um, and that is, that is such a limiting view of what it is that a particular, um, a particular story can do for your business, right? You, you completely can do a, you know, 15, 20 minute recording with a, with a customer and you can get enough content out of that recording to use it throughout uh, the entire funnel from, from both a, a, a pre-sales demand gen, et cetera. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Although all the way through, through, through a deal to customer expansion and, and renewal, there are aspects of it that, that you can, uh, that you can pick up and, and carry through to expand the, the size of a contract for your business. But you know what? It, it doesn't even stop there. Like uh, smart marketers are using customer stories as a way to showcase for investors uh, who are the people that that are super happy with your product or technology that can expand your your valuation in fundraising. You know, for CEOs out there, uh, this, is, this is a critical tool for you in order to be able to expand your valuation the next time you go for, for or funding round, or you're working in a private equity firm, etc. Um, so, so if I just like if I if I back up to the top of the funnel sort of things, one of my favorite favorite uh, uses of a customer video is a 15 second uh, uh, little segment 
that is uh, a YouTube pre-roll video. So it is just like you do your customer story and you take that 15 seconds when they're like really excited. Maybe they're just talking about the category or the like the marketplace or some broader trend. And you're like, uh, you stick that right before somebody goes in to watch their video of how to like, you know, repair a light bulb or whatever it is that they're on YouTube for. Uh, and suddenly you've got an engaged person who gets hooked in just a small amount of time by hearing some real person say something really interesting. So you can absolutely use uh, within Demandgen as an acquisition source for videos of pre-roll. Um, you can you can uh, embed it onto your your website or onto landing pages. Use that as a like authenticity hook that helps people have trust that when I fill out this form, something good is going to happen on the other side of it. This is not just that a salesperson is going to follow up with me, but I'm going to get real help that helps me do something else in in my in my job better easier faster smarter stronger etc um and and then you know one of the other things that i love using customer videos for is thinking about what are the common challenges that my salespeople have as they move through their sales process so what are the common objections that somebody gets while uh while they are talking to their clients and how do i how do i provoke my customers to go ahead and proactively respond to that so i can just give a 30 second or one minute clip to a salesperson so, you know, anytime they hear this like common thing of like, I don't know, implementation takes too long or whatever the thing is, they can just send this 30 second video of a customer being like, nah, we can do that in seconds or whatever the case may be and, and, and allow a customer to say the thing that enables your seller to move on to the next phase of, of their uh, selling process. I'm going to, you know, just highlight that part, you know, allow your customer to say the thing that enables your seller to move on to the next part in their selling process. I think that line that needs to just be like, you know, a mantra or like, just like something I think that I know I'm going to internalize. And, you know, even, you know, with our company, you know, being in this space, it's still something that we can even, you know, do a, a better job of. So that I love that. I also want to kind of underscore and kind of just go back to you mentioned like the authenticity hook and like driving a conversion with, you know, customer content. And I think there's like this, like, sort of paradox where like, you know, maybe the old way was like, oh, like, let's save our customer content to like later in the funnel when, you know, because that's where it needs to be. But then, you know, the new way is, well, like, if you're not using at least a little bit of it earlier in the funnel in the right way, you're never going to get to the later in the funnel, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that people too often have thought about this as a conversion or a closing event at really, really like down, down funnel, right? I've already like sold my solution. I've made them understand value. And then at the very end, they need social proof in order to justify to the other people in their organization that this is actually the thing that we should spend money on, or this is the thing that we should spend time on and invest invest our, our manpower resources in order to do. Uh, there's no reason that needs to be limited to that one one part of our process. There there's so much so many other places that we can we can uh, use customer stories in order to uh, help help marketing and sales be more effective in customer success and in renewals as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because I wonder just thinking out loud, if it's somewhat of a function of just like, you know, the technology, it's it's much relatively easier to, you know, create and split up and atomize, you know, video content than it ever was, right? We all have smartphones, you know, editing software is way more accessible. And, but it seems like the, in many cases, like the the mindset as, as marketers, we're, we're still sort of living in this mindset where like, we have to, you know, spend a bunch of money and create this one monolithic asset when really there's no reason, like, 
you know, the, the future is like, you know, seems like it's more atomized, more snackable and more full funnel. And there's just no reason that we have the technology, we have the, you know, service providers, we have the, everything. It's just like, we haven't quite like shifted to like catch up with that reality perhaps. Yeah, I think that's an important an important thing to just push on a little bit more, which is um, it is it is a pretty pretty commonly said thing in B two B right now that you need snackable small pieces of content. You need a, a, a GIF or tweet or a thirty second video and everything else. Uh, people don't have the attention span. One of my friends works uh, uh, run runs a big section of uh, Path Factory, and they did some research. and And Path Factory found that for all of the like thirty second webinars that, that I mean thirty minute webinars that people are are, are running, uh, their their customers tend to only watch about five minutes of the video. But I must say. There is a time and a place for everything. <laughs> and so a longer form video, a longer form white paper is still relevant and people do want to read it. It depends on uh, the individual audience that you're working with and developers love longer form content. They really want to dig in and really sink their teeth into a thing and they want all of the all of the education possible. Uh, a lot of operations professionals are, are in that same space. And then there are a bunch of other people who will only look at 30 seconds worth of content. And so we need to be able to ask our customer one time for 30 minutes. And we have to be able to get both a really long, great piece of content and six or eight or 10, 30 second little snackable bits that we can utilize in in different ways. Uh, Because different people will respond to things in different ways, depending on where they are in their journey to to understand, educate themselves and ultimately make a conclusion about what it is that they want to do. Yeah, that's it's thank you for bringing that up. That's such a good point. It's not it's it's really like people have an indefinite attention span for really good content, right? If it's like, you know, at the right time, right? Like it's if it's the yeah. right time, you know, in their journey and it's extremely good, it's it's absolutely a fallacy that like they don't have the attention span. It's just like if you're making really good stuff and it's at the right time, people will have a lot of attention span. Um so yeah, it's definitely not a either or, it's like a yeah, yes and if if yeah. I'm a marketer kind of, you know, and I'm listening to this and, and I'm like, great, like I understand, you know, I'm with you, Adam, like we need to do more customer content. We need to do it throughout the funnel. How do I, you know, go about kind of setting the strategy, you know, and because, you know, it's obviously like the better strategy I can set just to begin with, the better results I'm going to have. So um, how do you, how would you kind of advise someone or to think about, you know, setting that, you know, customer story strategy? You know, how do you think about that? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. I've almost gotten fired uh, from a company over over customer customer uh, case studies. So um, we can dig into that in <laughs> in a second. Uh, but if we think strategically first, there is um, there's who am I ultimately trying to get engaged first? Who am I trying to sell to? Before you can determine who do I want to who do I want to interview? What is the ask I want to make? How do I want to make that? You have to know who is the ultimate piece of content for, because that that can dramatically change the person you you ask to be a part of of this thing that you're doing. So if I'm trying to get the CFO of a company 
to be the ultimate person to sign off on uh, my technology solution. I want a very different person than if I want uh, somebody who is in Canva and making graphic design, etc. It's a totally different person that I want for a video. Uh, for If I'm selling Canva, I want somebody who's excited and, and happy and wants to click all of the buttons. I want them to talk about how easy it is for them to do their stuff. And if I'm talking to the CFO, uh, I want a CEO who is going to... Uh, um, be able to speak strategically at an executive level for for that ultimate end user of the content to to understand. So if you think strategically about about customer stories, if you start from the persona of the person you ultimately want to be the end user of the content, from from there. Uh, you have to get people engaged. <laughs> you have to actually like have somebody to to showcase in your in your story. There will never be a good time, according to sales and customer success, for marketing to do a video. <laughs> it's just the way it works. We always want them, <laughs> but now is never the right time. And why is it? Because uh, we've got a renewal coming up, because uh, they just launched, because they haven't finished their implementation yet, because they had a bad week last week, or we had a system outage, or whatever the case may be. There are, there are all kinds of roadblocks and hurdles that will come up every single, every single day. Um, so as a marketer, you can't let those roadblocks prevent you from being successful. You know, one of, one of the things early on in my career that I struggled with a lot was... I didn't realize that it was my job to change reality <laughs> in order to make the things that I needed to make happen. So it's not just, oh, well, you know, my, my counterparts in sales and customer success say now is not the time. Uh, I'll never get my job done <laughs> if I can't, if I can't, right? So I have to figure out how to change reality in order to make that successful, et cetera. And how have you found your, you've been able to do that or, you know, how do you actually, you know, what have you learned in terms of, you know, actually getting those agreements, um, you know, for, for customer videos, for testimonials, any sort of um, tips or perspective uh, that you can share uh, on that front? Yeah, it, this is one thing where I think, I think marketers need to be a lot more heavy handed than they have in the past. And that is first and foremost, as, as a marketer, we need to tell the sales team that the standard contract needs to include the laundry list of things that we want from a particular customer. I want to use your logo on my website. I want your people to be references for me. I want a written or a video case study. I want somebody to speak on stage at an incredible conference and share my story, etc. And then I want a laundry list in, in the actual MSA of like, these are all the things that I want. And you know what? 100% of the time, when you send that contract to a customer, their legal team will scratch that out. And that's great because it is a negotiating point for you in the future, right? So when that customer comes back to you or when procurement comes back to your seller and they say, oh, that's great, but we can't do it at this price. We need it at a lower price because blah, blah, blah. Your seller then has a leverage point to say, awesome, which of these uh, marketing rights are we going to put back into this contract then? I would prefer a customer uh, 
video first and foremost. So let's put that one back in and they go, oh, I don't know about that. But maybe we could do a written case study instead. Boom, I've got something that I can use for customer advocacy in the future. Or uh, uh, I don't know, but we'll definitely do reference calls and you can put our logo on your website or in your customer reference list, etc. The way that you get the ability to do that and to have a, a bargaining chip is to have it in the contract standard and Again, no one's going to accept it. <laughs> it's just like we need to understand that it will always get redlined out, but it gives your sellers a reason to put it back in when they go to negotiate something something later, right? So, um, what you know you are being successful in this when you are in a meeting, some pipeline review meeting or something like that with with your AEs, and your AEs go, well, this is, this is my deal, this is in the pipe, and I told them it was gonna be $200,000, and they said I can only pay $150,000, and in turn, I got these five marketing rights put back into the contract, that's awesome. Um, one of the things about this though, to, to really enumerate in the contract is what, like really, really specifically, what is the ask? If, if the ask is a senior executive is going to be a part of a video, write that in the contract. So if you know that this uh, senior vice president at Google is the person that you want in this particular video, that is awesome. Write it into the contract so that they can't then push it off on a junior level uh, end user later on. Make sure also that it's something that can actually get done. You know, you're just talking about Google. Google is probably not going to give you PR rights. You haven't had a, uh, an actual relationship with this customer yet. So, so don't burn any bridges <laughs> late in your sales process just to get just to get marketing rights. You know, only go as far as, as you can. Um, but once you get that, once you get that signature in that in that contract, it needs to say case study will kick off after thirty days after implementation, or as soon as this key metric is hit we will start doing this this case study and, and the reason that is so important is you know you're going to make sure that they get white glove treatment uh once they kick things off with you uh, so you're going to make them super successful but there will always be this well we haven't proven roi yet uh so until we can prove roi we can't actually like kick this off uh, you, you have the you have leverage when you write it into your case study and when you write it into your contract specifically that we're going to do a case study after 90 days or whatever the case may be, you have incredible leverage to be like, okay, uh, uh, customer X, you're on a journey. Let's talk about that journey and let's talk about what the next milestones are and ROI could be that next milestone on the horizon. They don't have to have actually said, I've got 2.5% return on investment of this software in order to do a, a customer video. I love that. You know, so many good, uh, really tactical like takeaways there. And like in my experience, I know, you know, we, we've done that. Actually, I learned how we can do it a lot better, you know, from you right now. But like, I, I find it just, it can really just make the conversation uh, a lot easier when when it's already been broached. You know, it's, it's something that's already been discussed. Yeah. And like, of course, and I think a lot of people, some maybe some marketers are kind of hesitant to do this because they feel like, oh, like, you know, it's not going to be a good piece of content if we, you know, are quote unquote like holding their feet to the fire or whatever. But like the reality is, at least in my opinion, is like obviously like in the rare case that you know they didn't have a good experience, like you're just not going to call it in. Like that's just exactly. So it's yeah. like at the end of the day, like it, it's it's all pending their satisfaction and success. So it's like. 
it, it's it's like an option. You, it's like to use like a finance term. It's like optionality, right? It's like you have the the option, but not the requirement to execute this case study, this video testimonial, which is, I mean, optionality and having that option is very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. In in terms of uh, you know revenue and and attribution, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I'd be curious, like, how do you think about you know, measuring, you know, results uh, and sort of revenue and attribution. And I know there's like, there's like a lot of different ways to kind of slice this and like just to throw my cards on the table. Like I'm in the camp of like, we should measure as much as possible, but some things in marketing we also just do because like they make sense and and like we know they work and we like not everything important, uh, you know, can be measured. And, and, but yeah, I'll, I'll pause there. I'd love to hear like, you know, how you think about it. And and, and I guess it's also like a, a resources and effort question, right? It's like technically like, you know, it, it's really how much effort do you want to put into it? Uh, I have lots of thoughts here. I, I originally worked for a company that built an attribution uh, technology. So I was I was in the thick of uh, first touch, multi-touch. Uh, what ways do we, we measure all these uh, points of our business? Um, so I'm I'm a believer in in multi-touch. So there's a complex buying organization. There are like somewhere between eight and like 30 people who are actually getting an enterprise deal across the finish line when you think through legal and procurement and finance, et cetera. There are all of these different stakeholders in a complex deal. And you got to get all of those people aligned and moving towards your solution as the final outcome, right? So if you were only looking at where one person person came from initially, you have a very clouded lens on what is actually happening to get your deals done. And, and you can you can actually throw yourself off of a productive pathway uh, because you are getting the wrong information. You're making, you're making complex decisions based on uh, a single data point, which is, is not actually illustrative of what is happening in, in these deals. So I'm a multi-touch person. I want to know all of the people who are involved in a particular deal, what are all of the things that we can track about them, all of the engagements that they have? <laughs> and then there is a thing that you said a second ago, which is there's an X factor to all of this. And the the most common way that I look to engage with a new technology or a new solution or a new service is I talk to my friends and my friends say, hey, check this thing out. Or my friends say, hey, this was an awesome thing for us. Uh, We're seeing really great results from having done this. Then I will go to a website and start researching, looking at competitors before I ever fill out a a demo request form or before I ever uh, like at all download a piece of content or anything, anything along those lines, right? So, so there, there is, there is a lot of things that are happening offline uh, without any potential to be attributed to to your marketing efforts. And you know what? That's okay, right? The thing that I think that we have really gotten away from, or the slippery slope that has happened is um, especially CEOs and CFOs, they want to know if I give $1 to any part of my business, where am I going to grow the most, right? And they want it to be just as dead simple as that. And 
Life isn't that simple. It's it's great, uh, but they want to know if I hire one more AE or if I hire one more SDR or one more person in marketing or double the marketing program's budget, which will be the most effective at getting me more customers. Um, and and so if you're looking at things through a, through a first touch world where you were trying to say the salesperson got it, the SDR got it, or the marketing team got it, and there's only one answer to any of this, you're 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 um you're creating a fight internally for people to get credit and and you end up slowing the business down rather than speeding it up. You're you actually make it less productive and 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 make it less you make the results harder than if you would just like ignore all of those things and just go focus on on selling and being really great and looking at looking at your conversion rate throughout your funnel, et cetera. So so as 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 a marketer, for, for all you marketers out there who are like facing this challenging aspect of attribution, I, I would really like advise you talk about it as your internal way that you decide what things marketing is going to do differently. It's not about whether an SDR or an AE did whatever, whatever. We're all working together. We all have one outcome that we're trying to drive towards, which is more revenue for the business. I need attribution to know, should I go invest in a new blog? Do I need a new case study? Should I do another webinar? Should I go to that event again? Did that event actually drive people that were of my target market in my ICP, et cetera? It's not like the so attribution is entirely about how do I help myself know how to do my job better, not how do I prove that I'm better than sales or sales couldn't do this without me, et cetera. Which is where where a lot of people, a lot of companies just get stuck in this loop of trying to justify is it sales, is it marketing, is it uh, prospecting through through a BDR uh, a biz dev person, um, and they just slow their whole company down because of it, and and they don't actually get any material benefit out of it. So I I just think they're they're um, <laughs> there are a lot of people that just need to push back and say, you know what, marketing is art and it is science. Uh, I'm going to take the best amount of information that I can get, all of the data that I have access to, and then I'm going to use that to make a decision. And you know what? Sometimes the decision I make is to ignore the data <laughs> because I know through my experiences that there is something better that I can do that we haven't actually performed on in the past, et cetera. So if I think back through all of the attribution data that I've always looked at, customer case studies and videos are at the top of the list. It's always being the thing that drives the most number of relevant touch points as people are trying to, to move through their deal cycle. Such a good point. And, and I guess the, the flip side of it is like, it, it, as marketers, like sometimes we can do more of things that aren't the most effective just because those things are easy to measure. You know what I mean? It's... It's, totally. it's a slippery slope, uh, but I think, you know, that your point is so good. What else um, should I have asked you maybe uh, about, you know, all of these topics that I haven't asked yet? Yeah, I'll just say on the last idea, I used to hate PR. <laughs> so I was like, you can't measure PR. What's the effort of brand, et cetera? Uh, and now I realize so much more that that uh, you can't be successful in, in selling things Um without without a great brand. Um, okay, other things around customer stories. Um, one, if you're a Salesforce person, 
like track all the stuff in Salesforce. You like can really easily create a custom object that has all the different types of advocacy that you want. Uh, when when somebody goes to close a contract, they uh, click a couple of uh, buttons uh, as they as they close out that opportunity. You can automatically create all of these things, and then you just like you have a dashboard that you can hit refresh on, uh, and and you can see, hey, these are all of the logos that I've yet to add to my website, or these are all the people that we can kick off a case study with, or these are the three people I need to schedule to have a webinar with like take 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 the guesswork out of that i don't think we talked enough about thinking about the real person that you're going to work with for for uh, customer video you can't fake passion and enthusiasm for a particular problem and solution so you have to know the people that you're 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 talking to uh you have to know are they charismatic do they have pizzazz and wow or is the person that you really want to be showcasing your thing or you know, if I'm selling entirely to developers, uh, is the most dry and boring person, actually the person that helps me sell the best, et cetera. Um, so, you know, think through that um, and make sure that you have an opinion of, of who, who the people that you should actually have. You know, once it's in a contract, you can push harder than you could if you didn't have it in a contract. Uh, don't push too far, as I as I alluded to earlier. Uh, like I said, uh, we had a written case study. We gave up a significant amount of money in order to get that thing. We had it in the contract, and then there was a new leader who came in who didn't want to approve the written case study that had been waiting for approval for six months, and. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I uh, got myself on a slippery slope <laughs> around that. Um, I guess you know, if we think about the kind of the future, the future of customer stories. You know, one is a thing that we already talked about, which is how do I record the super set of things and then use the the long long form piece of content to create a bunch of small pieces that I can then go use in a bunch of different ways. I can use it in demand gen, I can use it to acquire new leads. I can think about the specific elements in my conversion process as I move through my funnel and where my salespeople keep getting roadblocks and then get a video that specifically helps align to those particular problems. Um, customer videos are super important as you are moving into new verticals, into new sizes of companies, being able to say, oh, yeah, in financial services, here's how we work. And uh, in supermarkets, here's how we work. And for technology companies, here's how we work, etc. People want to know that uh, you uh, have a, a core capacity for understanding the way that their their industry is different and unique, and that you can work inside of inside of their industry. Um, I think from here, the like the the things that are next up on the horizon, you, you called it rich media earlier, uh, which is in some ways a really old and really new mm -hmm. term to me. It's, it's both really, it is, really yeah. old. Uh, <laughs> I was a communications major in college. And that's what exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it strikes me as communications major in college sort of term. But, but if we think about you know, hey, I'm going to take this video and I'm going to layer into it interactive infographics that are dynamically changing 
um, and look really beautiful, et cetera. And I'm going to embed that onto a landing page that includes additional elements on it that I can actually interact with, like an ROI calculator so that like as as the, the video is going, uh, maybe the ROI calculator has the specific number dropped into it and it shows the calculation in real time that they're talking through. And there is so much cool stuff that marketers can do. Technology has never been easier for us to sync our fingertips into and be able to use and showcase. There, there, there are some really incredible things that marketers can do on the horizon. Um, I'm excited for, for people to, to see what cool things people do. This is well, hopefully they don't keep doing a lot more of the same, but I'm sure you know that, that that's always a possibility. No, in, in all seriousness, though, yes, it's, uh, it's such a good time to you know be uh, in the customer advocacy space, the customer marketing space. You know, be a marketer and telling customer stories. Adam, this this has been fantastic. Where can people connect with you and um, get to know you, or, or just get in touch? LinkedIn uh, is, is the easiest way to, to get in touch with me. Uh, I, I have a website URL that I have uh, that I have purchased, but I don't I don't ultimately uh, have a website. I don't use that in order to get clients. Um, I'm a I'm a word of mouth person. So if you want to have some words out of my mouth, come hang out with me on LinkedIn. I love it. And uh, it's just LinkedIn.com uh, and then slash in slash Adam New Waterson clean just full name. We'll get that linked up yeah. in the show notes as well. Awesome, Adam. This was a blast. Sam, always amazing to get an opportunity to, to talk to you. Uh, customer videos are so critical. Uh, being able to share your customer's voice helps your sales team do things that they can't do on your own. It is your superpower as a marketer for what you can give to them. So do not skimp on it. It's super important. And in fact, do so many more than you think you should today. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Adam. All right, Sam. Have a great day. Alrighty, folks. That was another awesome episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast with Adam New Waterson. A couple, uh, you know, key kind of takeaways that I want to underscore. Um, just you know, so, so many great sound bites there. You know, a couple of my favorites. You know, having customers sell your solutions in their voice. You know, not yours. Like just a really you know powerful, powerful concept there. And we talked also a lot about this powerful big idea around you know customer content and customer media doesn't have to be just bottom of the funnel. Um, you know, in in fact, you know that's sort of like a a missed opportunity. And, and the, the opportunity to differentiate is you know how can we as marketers create content throughout the whole buyer journey? And of course, the format's going to change, the tone is going to change, the actual information in those customer. Uh, clips is going to change. Um, but, you know, there's really, you know, no reason why, um, you know, we can't start using, a, a, you know, customer content earlier in the buyer journey. And there's just so many benefits uh, to that. Uh, that being said, uh, we also talked about how it doesn't have to all be super snackable. You know, it, it's not like a, it's not like long form content is going away. It's, it's just more of a yes and. Start with the ideal persona. You know, who are your ideal prospects? Are you trying to expand into a new market? Are you trying to, you know, expand into a new vertical? Like that could be the perfect time to, you know, get that uh, customer content you need to support that. Um, and then we also talked a lot about, you know, attribution. And at the end of the day, you know, marketing is an art as well as a science. Uh, so many great takeaways there. I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode as well as I did with Adam. 
uh, New Waterson. And until next time, uh, this is Sam Shepler. This has been the State of Customer Storytelling brought to you by Testimonial Hero. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.